get more experience, savvy, even if you fail a few times before you get to become an investor. Mm. The, the, the today me would tell you that, but the younger me would have told you, go for it, but uh, be prepared to keep learning. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Season 2 of Questions with by Quest Ventures, the top venture capital fund in Asia. I'm your host, Dorothy, and in today's episode, we will be speaking to a man with vast experience in the startup space. Let's welcome venture capitalist, angel investor, and founder of Ion Mobility, James Chan. Thanks for being here with us, James. All right, so let's start off with our first question. So let's go back to the very beginning. What got you into engineering in the first place? Perhaps share a bit more about your education at Carnegie Mellon, Stanford. Thank you, Dorothy. Yeah. It's great to be here. My name is James, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ion Mobility. So this question brings me all the way back. Um, wow, it's been quite a while. This is 2002, yeah? So it's like over 20 years since. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a natural choice to go into engineering um, after my army, mm-hmm. military service in Singapore. Mm. Uh, I've always been a nerd geek my whole life. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of seniors in my computer science club, mm. um, extracurricular activity, yeah. uh, who went before me to CMU. Yeah. And um, I've always been very curious about how things worked, how machines and systems worked. Yes. So entering uh, electrical computer engineering gave me the best of both worlds. Mm. It's sitting between the analog and digital devices mm. that you know are all around us today. And at the same time, also um, equipped me with this uh, framework of thinking, problem solving yes. that I, I think I've used uh, through all the hats that I've worn in my life. <laughs> Okay. And then uh, what made you divert then from engineering to specifically into EVs? Was there a specific wow moment that made you realize that EVs were the future? Uh, I've had quite a bit of a stint uh, ever since I left uh, school. Mm-hmm. I spent three years and four months in government yeah. uh, working in industry development, cool. understanding uh, Infocom and uh, the industry and yeah. you know growing that yeah. I then went moved on to the buy side uh, in government before moving on to early stage venture capital in uh-huh. uh, private sector when I uh, prematurely terminated my scholarship contract okay. and and I and later on then uh, zero entrepreneur right yeah. so I think EVs uh, was something that I've always uh, kept a close eye on. I think Tesla has blazed the trail mm-hmm. and uh, have carrying so many mobile devices around me uh, even more today. I think lets me think constantly about, uh, you know, bigger and bigger devices that can turn digital from mm-hmm. the analog days. And uh, when I was in Vietnam, when I was in Indonesia, when I was in Myanmar, uh, Philippines, you know, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, you just see all these you know, huge swarms of motorbikes everywhere. And it's very hard to ignore them. It's very hard to uh, not realize how this can be the next surface area for us to create significant innovation upon. Mm. So so that really, um, you know, started around, I would say, 2013, 15, oh. when I was in these places okay. in Southeast Asia. Uh, definitely not Singapore. Singapore yeah. is not very much a motorcycle first market. Mm. And, and as I was looking for my next big thing, after pa- wrapping up my fintech stint, uh, having exited, uh, I, I decided to uh, throw myself head first into the EV space, specifically motorbikes. Uh-huh. Oh, so you really saw like that mid, that big market space, especially in Southeast Asia, and decide to go straight into it. Yeah, I think I think not just the market size, but also the timing, right? So I, I noticed that uh, there were governments, especially Indonesia yeah. in Southeast Asia, were starting yeah. to look at how to transition their uh, petrol-based transportation networks mm. into electric ones, yes. and there were regulatory and regulatory and industrial level uh, policy changes yeah. that were encouraging more of that. Uh-huh. Right? So I decided to ride the waves and. Um, 
instead of going on cars, which I think is a solved problem, yes. we, we took on the motorbike challenge. I see. Okay. So then this really sets the stage for how you then got into IO Mobility in the first place. So tell me the story behind it. So so I I'm 41 this year. Mm-hmm. I am a father of three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always think about I always look back, right? And I think about like, what's next after every major milestone in life. And uh, I decided that I was done just doing other people's biting or uh, (laughs) just helping or assisting, right? I really wanted to build my own company uh, and go after this meaningful opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only way to do that would be to start my own company. Mm -hmm. Uh, The irony, in spite of all my past experiences, uh, this is my first true startup. Okay. Right? The first true startup where I put my name to it and I fundraise for it and I build a team that uh, where I'm entirely accountable to myself, my board Mm -hmm. and my my shareholders. And uh, I think that's very empowering. And when I decided to make this plunge, um, that, that, that was a journey of not, no, no looking back, right? We really, really wanted to uh, make this happen. And uh, the, the great thing was to do that, the great or crazy thing to do that was to do that during the pandemic times. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I think uh, that made it extra special. That made it extra difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we've got this far so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, was there a specific moment where you noticed that you were maybe starting on something great? Uh, I don't think we're great yet. I think we're good. Okay. From good to great, uh, I think history books will judge us. <laughs> but uh, I think the moment you, if, if I were to answer your question more straightforward, the uh, moment we realized something special wasn't so much seeing the various electric motorbike builds that we were putting together. Mm. I mean, that, that in itself was very satisfying. Uh, seeing various increasingly mature iterations of our inaugural Ion Mobius product, yeah. right? Come together. We're on our fifth build right now. Oh. Uh, but really, I think the moment that I saw it being something special was when I saw the teams working together. Yeah. We, we it, amidst pandemic times, without traveling to China or to Indonesia, we were able to build a team in Shenzhen mm. uh, and a team in Jakarta, right? On top yeah. of the team in Singapore and get them to work together. So when as we fostered increasing levels of communication and collaboration amidst pandemic times with no face-to-face meetups, yet work on something hardware so difficult <laughs> complex right end yeah. to end right you're talking about full stack industrial design mechanical oh. electrical you know firmware software hardware yeah. um, not trivial that was when I realized that we were onto something special here okay yeah um, how did you put these very many teams together then uh, a bit of luck mm. I, I, I think luck plays a big role in a lot of entrepreneurs success mm. or failure <laughs> the lack of uh, but having said that I think um, the uh, the Chinese saying I would invoke is mm. you know, uh, I, I think if there's a will there's a way and uh, we, I really set out to make this happen and you know, I, I, I think that uh, when you really want something hard enough in life uh, sometimes sometimes not always the world conspires to to help you out, right? So, uh, when 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 we were out to look for our first hire in China, we poached from our uh, failed ODM partners yeah. team, when a failed ODM collaboration com- team, right? Okay. Uh, when and then when we wanted to get our first hire in uh, Indonesia, I was looking within my past networks for that mm. first person, right? So, even in Singapore, um, just a, there's a bit of serendipity in everything. Mm. Uh, when we hired uh, Fred back from Yamaha Motors, mm-hmm. uh, when I was able to convince our chief vehicle engineer, Hosen, to join us, uh, when I was able to convince my CTO, Calvin, to first invest, advise, yeah. and then join us, right? Oh. 
And when I was able to convince CNE, my chief product and design officer, who's been with me on three companies so far, oh. this being the third, right? He was number three in the company, you can say. Um, I mean, all these are special moments where you just, you know, go one milestone at a time, yeah. one person at a time and and uh, convince them to join you on this crazy journey. That's yeah. when I think it was really, really, um, that's how we made it happen. Then let's move on to iOMobility's place in the region. So with many electric motorbike startups developing around the region, what will iOMobility's differentiating factor be? So there are many electric motorbike startups in the region, I agree with you, but there are probably no other companies in this region who are as end-to-end, as full-stack as mm-hmm. we are. Uh, I have looked, we constantly scan the, com- the competitor landscape mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the players in this region are always are just taking from China, mm-hmm. buying, uh, adopting uh, lighter or similar versions of our previous ODM strategy, mm-hmm. original design manufacturer partner strategies, where they white label or just procure uh, ready-made bikes from China, okay. which is really a bicycle lane traffic market, mm-hmm. uh, which is very different from the motorbike market in Indonesia and the rest of Southeast Asia and they're trying to just do a buy and sell right they might add on some software they might add on some operations afterwards but they're certainly not designing engineering and producing the bikes end to end the way we are Mm. Uh, in itself that is the differentiating factor that we have against them and in itself is also the defensibility that we have right being able to make the the best trade-off between technology, form factor, yeah. design, usability, and uh, create the firmware and software to support these features is what we think is the mm. is the way, the only way. Yeah, right. Wow, you really have a hand in every step of the process of the yeah, production. It's uh, something that we have to do in order to find the perfect. Uh, well, mm. not ne- there's nothing perfect in this world. Almost perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, only answer. the best quality. Yes, and um, out of curiosity, where did the name IO Mobility come from? Uh, I, I've always liked physics, math, physics. Yeah. And uh, if you think about it, uh, all mobility companies have a mobility thing at mm-hmm. the back. So it was easy <laughs> to add it at the back. And then ION, um, ION is in electrical terms, um, electricity can conduct only because yes. of moving ions. Uh-huh. right? So ION Mobility in itself talks about the mobility of ions, but also ION as a brand and how the we will enable a, a, a you know portfolio of mobility products mm. built around electric power okay and as for you yourself you also have moved through many different industries so as we stated at the earlier part of the interview you also were in investing and an angel investor at the start of your career so can you tell me more about that yeah so I I did start my career well uh, to be more technically correct uh, that that was my first private sector stint right Uh, I started my career as a public servant encouraging and developing uh, infocom technology industries in Singapore Mm. inbound and outbound but but yes um as a VC fund manager managing C fund in fact uh, I co-invested with James Tan, James Tan <laughs> right in, in Burpo a long time ago mm. um, and, and later on as an angel investor I'm, I'm a re- most recently an investor in GetGo mm. right? also a mobility company mm. and uh, having now become a founder of iMobility I think people people always like to ask me this question right what does it mean when you wear all these hats yeah. wear all these uh, functions and how does it help me and how does it potentially hinder me or how does it help uh, how do I juggle these hats so I would say that it's better to have these hats than not have them in the first place it gives me more perspectives of how I should or can interact with my board my investors prospects Mm -hmm. Um, it helps me become a better founder Mm -hmm. because I 
understand both the buy and the build side mm. and I also understand the, the government side mm. why certain things are necessary yeah. uh, and uh, juggling these roles is not difficult because I only have one role today right which is I'm an operator yeah. uh, but having those two other perspectives uh, in terms of being on the government having been on the government side before and having been on the buy side before mm-hmm. uh, I will be able to then uh, better synthesize uh, the trade-offs mm. better formulate the trade-offs between all these competing uh, you know instincts competing um, perspectives yeah. so that hopefully I'll be in the best possible position to make a decision mm. every time we're at key points in in uh, <laughs> our growth and or in difficult moments yeah, yeah. having such a multi-dimensional um, perspective of the entire industry and your place in um, the innovation sector also yeah. really helps yeah yeah it's, um, it's nice to be part of the OG in Singapore although <laughs> although uh, definitely not stuck stuck on the investing side um, I've moved on since mm. <laughs> then what would you say would be the greater similarity or difference uh, both investor and entrepreneur I think is very very similar actually more similar than people realize okay. uh, I think investors if you're a professional investor then you're managing other people's money and your venture fund is no different from a startup yep. you have to raise money you have to run the fund you have to build your team you have to pick good companies you have to execute on the portfolio strategy and um, manage the exits and the mm-hmm. downside right mm-hmm. uh, in, in the case of an entrepreneur it's very similar, but the the sequences and steps and the strokes are a bit different. Okay. Uh, but you still have to build your team, you know, raise the money. So you know, it's not as sexy uh, to be an investor. Neither is it so. Uh, neither neither is it less or more tiring to be mm. an entrepreneur. Mm. So so I would say it's actually quite similar. But of course, the payoff is very different. Uh, the approach is very different. Startups yeah. tend to be bottoms up, okay. whereas uh, investors tend to be top down. Yeah. And uh, I think having been on both sides, I, I can appreciate both perspectives, you know, mm. pretty well. Okay. And then let's come back to IO Mobility for a bit. Um, so instead of starting in Singapore, you started in Indonesia, am I right? Uh, we are intending for Indonesia to be our first uh, go-to-market. Okay. Uh, we did start by building the team in Singapore, yep. but very quickly after we added our teams in Jakarta and mm-hmm. Shenzhen. Yeah. So yes, you're right. We're going we're gonna to have to uh, put a lot more effort into our team building in mm. Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, what would you say it was like first entering the Indonesian market? Were there any challenges you faced? Um, at our current phase, I think... Uh, so I have an unfair advantage in having operated for three years prior to do building IR Mobility in Jakarta mm-hmm. and other parts of Indonesia. Uh, I had uh, I grew from zero to over 500 people in Indonesia before, wow. right, running a fintech team uh, across Southeast Asia, actually. So... I would say that uh, it was not as it would not be as challenging for me relative to someone who's fresh okay. to to entering in Indonesia. But if I were to give some general advice, I would say that uh, Indonesia in general is not a uh, is a complicated market. Yeah. It's a very attractive market, but it's also a very complicated market, very nuanced, just like any other Southeast Asian market. Yeah. Uh, but in Indonesia, I think the the important the important aspects would be to identify your right segments. Uh, I, I prefer to do B two C, right? Because I believe that it's much easier to let the consumers vote democratically with the dollars yeah. to buy your product or services. Mm. Uh, some people prefer B two B, but that's not my thing okay. because uh, there's a lot more relationships that you're going to have to deal mm. with. 
uh, I prefer to deal directly with my customers. Uh, but having said that, I, I also value uh, important Indonesian partners. Okay. And in our journey of interacting uh, with the market and building our teams there and our relationships there, uh, we've come across good supportive investors, partners. And, and um, I would say that's an important thing for people to do in Indonesia. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What would you say what's your biggest uh, breakthrough? Oh, I think the biggest breakthrough is building a stable team. That that uh, without people, you can't get anything done. Because yes. I'm not superhuman, right? Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think uh, hopefully in time to come, the breakthrough is when we deliver our product. We launch our brand and our product very soon, mm. and uh, later this year, and the customers start buying it. Mm. We're not quite there yet. Uh, it's much more hard it's much more difficult to build a physical product like ours yeah. that has digital elements unlike just a digital service that you can deploy from anywhere right? Mm. where you can have updates without having to change anything in your supply chain yeah. or your production cycle uh, in, in the case of hardware you need a lot more planning you need a lot mm. more precision and you, need, you have a lot more moving parts to coordinate so I would say it's less Indonesia specific more okay. domain specific that makes it difficult okay. but uh I, I think every country with that kind of moving part set because of my choice of industry uh, would present itself this unique combination. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you say you work directly with the customer. So what do you think is that special factor that really makes your customers trust you to give IO Mobility a chance? Uh, I think Indonesian consumers are extremely discerning. Mm. Right? Um, and the middle class economy is fast growing mm. am among the quickest in the world, right? yeah. if not the quickest in this region. And uh, we believe that when it comes to serving Indonesian consumers, uh, the sincerity and the loyalty yeah. to the consumers and the, the commitment to consumers yeah. needs to be there. Okay. So as a company, we don't think of ourselves as a technology company. We're not just a technology company, but we're also a consumer brand, a lifestyle brand. Mm -hmm. and, and in thinking about it this way, uh, we relate hopefully better mm -hmm. to our target audience in delivering a motorbike alongside a brand, its accessories and, and the kind of ecosystem that we hope to build in time to come that can speak to their lifestyle choices. Mm. I think the Indonesians appreciate uh, this, you know, steadfast loyalty and this commitment not to just disappear halfway when yep. things get hard, right? You got to stick to it. And I think in the case of hardware, you're building stuff that people ride every day yeah. and uh, the quality is extremely important. It's absolute paramount. Mm. So when you can combine all these elements together, I think that's when hopefully consumers recognize the, the, the values and ethos you stand for. And yeah. then they will then hopefully vote with their dollars. Yeah, so that's roughly how we're going to go do it. Yeah, I hear a lot of attention to the nuances of culture and their lifestyle as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, my Bahasa is not quite up there, but very basic stuff, no problem. Okay. And uh, I think, but 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 because we're serving hopefully more than just Indonesia market, yeah. I I don't I can't be working as a translation or a language specialist, <laughs> right? But having said that, Sadiqit, yeah, you know, I think I think learning a bit and and uh, understanding their their food, their culture, their preferences, their lifestyle, yeah. uh, and how they commute fundamentally yeah. will allow us to break through. The this language barrier mm. despite not ne not necessarily having a heavy Indonesian founding mm. core okay. uh, and uh, you know and I think that's the important part right uh, to be able to integrate across the various markets that we go after in Southeast Asia mm -hmm. not just Indonesia and yes. put ourselves in their shoes and build products services combination with the brand mm -hmm. and the after sales services to, to really serve them well no matter where we go yeah. mm. 
Then um, beyond Indonesia, so let's go into the larger region of Southeast Asia. Do you think Southeast Asia has a shot of being an EV powerhouse? Uh, I, I think I think that's a difficult <laughs> prediction to make. I, I don't think there, Southeast Asia is a country like China which yeah. can dictate its destiny mm-hmm. and planning uh, with far tighter control, less degrees of freedom. Mm. Um, I think left to itself, Southeast Asia would have no chance of being an EV powerhouse. <laughs> but um, therein lies the opportunity, right? Mm. Um, the governments need to work hand in hand with industry. And as a pan-country Pan Southeast Asian company, mm-hmm. we really think that we will play a big role in the coming years to define standards, define mm-hmm. uh, the tech and the processes for quality and assembly and technology and charging networks and you know connectors and all that. That will, will be well in this you know um, private partner, private public partnership uh, with the country, mm-hmm. its people, and consumers as consumers as as uh, contributors to our platform right and products to transform the supply chains, transform the industrial processes and in the process uh, work hand in hand to create create value, delivering more innovative products. So I I think uh, if we can play our part in supporting uh, the customers through our products as they transition to uh, electric mobility lifestyle, in supporting the workers with skills, know-how, supply chain transformation, Mm. quality, tech, uh, and in uh, working hand in hand with the government to define sandbox, prototype, innovate mm. uh, on standards and process and new technologies that yeah. they can adopt. Uh, I think this will help uh, the region as a whole have a chance. Yeah. Not necessarily be a powerhouse. I think everyone <laughs> overuses the powerhouse word, but <laughs> but it's it's an easy word to use. But um, then I think we would then be able to accelerate the transition to uh, an electric. Mm. Uh, mobility and hopefully give planet Earth a chance. Mm. Yeah. So to summarize, there will really be a lot of working hand in hand with the government as well as with your customers. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing, right? If it goes back to your earlier point about competitors, yes. uh, it's not just about making a motorbike. Mm. I mean, it, it's not just about uh, selling the motorbike. Yeah. It's not just about um, you know being able to produce something reliable. That and it's not just about launching a brand. There's yeah. a lot that goes behind this business. Yeah, uh, it's not straightforward to do this here because mm-hmm. there there is not an estab- as established uh, an investor ecosystem yeah. for hardware mm-hmm. deep tech we're not quite deep tech we're hard tech right um, we're not really building rockets going to Mars and all we're not even building cars but having said that there's still a fair amount of technical complexity we have to solve fair amount of usability understanding market and users and the way to interact with these mm-hmm. electrical devices that are now becoming far more digital than their combustion predecessors have mm. ever become and uh, hopefully drive uh, new ways of treating them as a different part of their life in, as they go about their day going forward. Right? So I really hope that we have a chance to do that. Uh, and it is with this basis that I've been so fortunate to secure the support of investors like Quest and other investors yeah. uh, in, from Singapore and beyond yeah. Yeah, as we go on this difficult long journey. Yeah, this is definitely where your many years of industry expertise also comes. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I, I have continually kept my my blade sharp <laughs> and uh, relevant, right? Because yeah. uh, I'm not I'm not a young young spring chicken anymore, and uh, a lot of the young founders out outrank me in energy and age these days. <laughs> then, what would you say to these younger founders who are starting to <sighs> enter their entrepreneurship journey? I think it's very important to always have humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very important to do what's right. Mm. 
Okay. Rather than to do, you have to do the right thing rather than just to do things the right way. Yeah. As you can see from the Zelingo uh, saga, um, it's never it's never great when shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. But it's how you stand up and deal with the situation mm. that makes you stand out or not, mm. right? And uh, it's never about the technology or the. Pe- uh, it's always about the people. And if you have the right uh, principles, the right ethos, and you treat people consistently, yeah. and you have humility, yes. uh, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, right? Yeah. Older. I'm not. I hope I'm not so old. But uh, when you have that humility, <laughs> balancing it all out, I think uh, luck can play a smaller role. Yeah. In hopefully in your success okay. so the yeah. right principles consistency and humility yes yes okay yes. and in five years time where do you see IO Mobility I hope we will have more people in our team I hope we will have a very well established supply chain of partners uh, I, I hope that we have a huge stable of uh, customers across Southeast Asia key markets that we're going after yeah and uh, with products that are you know best margins in our category mm-hmm. best loyalty for customers yeah. in our categories that we're participating in and hopefully have a chance to go into one more product seg- segment mm-hmm. than just motorbikes okay yeah I wouldn't think about just um, exits anytime soon okay after all this is my you know my, 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 my next <laughs> half of my life's career yeah. hopefully my last company so uh, I don't think I'll be exited from the company mm. Anywhere near the five-year mark. Okay. Yeah. Can you give any small hints as to what kind of products you'll be looking at? Uh, I think, uh, given that we are into end full stack, it's it's not difficult to envision that uh, we have an eye on the battery energy yeah. storage okay. product category. Yeah. But it remains to be seen how ESS, as they often call it, energy yeah. storage solutions, uh, can and should be adapted to our region, which is largely brown energy powered. Uh, how can batteries in different form factors not necessarily in a full swap category uh, kind of dependency right because mm-hmm. I think if you have too much swap batteries lying around it's very environmentally unfriendly because mm-hmm. these uh, lithium and nickel are just sitting down there idle but to have the right mix of lithium nickel or even other chemistry of batteries yeah. uh, augment the grid yeah. and uh, bring about a more efficient and stable uh, emerging Southeast Asia electrical mm-hmm. grid and hopefully change the way, uh, change the lives and economy of the countries. Yeah. So that's the second product category. Uh, I will keep the other categories close to chess. All right. Uh, as we haven't even uh, sold a single motorbike, so let's not <laughs> let's not get too ahead of ourselves for, by, for now. All right. Okay. Definitely a lot of potential there for IO Mobility. And what about someone who's looking to enter the enterprise space as an investor? Do you have any advice for someone hoping to enter VC? <sighs> Uh, the old, the younger me, the old me, the younger me would have said. Uh, so I'll give two advice, two pieces of advice from two different perspectives, right? Yes. The, the the younger me would have advised, uh, wearing the investor hat back then, would have advised uh, them to uh, be very knowledge thirsty, hungry, be fast to learn, you know, and be widely read and uh, develop a view. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a view, then you should not be an investor. Mm. Very often, I think uh, a lot of our investors in our region don't have a clear view or aren't willing to back their views, right? So then they end up not having a very clear theme. Mm. Some of them, not all. Okay. Uh, but the older me now, having yeah. been more of an operator and less of an investor these days, uh, I would advise them to earn a few uh, stripes 
as an operator before they think about investing. Because um, if you want to be a professional investor, mm-hmm. managing other people's funds, I think you need to have operating track record before you can mm. speak convincingly mm. to other founders, yeah. right? Uh, because you got a value add and it can't just be about the money. Yeah. It can't just be about introducing people to other investors, yeah. right? Uh, so I would say two perspectives. Mm. Uh, get more experienced, savvy. Even if you fail a few times before you get to become an investor, mm. the, the the today me would tell you that. But the younger me would have told you go for it. But uh, be prepared to keep learning. Okay. Yeah? yeah. And and I hope that this too should yeah. uh, give our listeners something to think about. Yeah. Okay. So it's really not just knowing about the company; it's just knowing the company. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of knowing going on. Yeah. Knowing the people that's in the company, knowing the industry, the trends, knowing the adjacent industries and yeah. trends, it's it's, it's not trivial. Oh. Part of part of my passion of uh, having switched industries several times mm-hmm. within tech uh, also comes from the investing background of being eternally curious, mm. right? But but uh, I've definitely settled into a, a life stage where I would rather be building than mm. buying. We've come to the end of our interview. Thank, Thank you, you so Dorothy. much for sharing, James. Thank you for having me here. I'm your host, Dorothy. And once again, thank you guys for tuning in to Questions With by Quest Ventures. This episode was recorded in Pixel, an incubation and innovation space by IMDA. For more information, visit impixel.imda.gov.sg. I'm your host, Dorothy. And once again, thank you guys for tuning in to Questions With by Quest Ventures. This episode was recorded in Pixel, an incubation and innovation space by IMDA. For more information, visit impixel.imda.gov.sg.